What's up, everyone? Welcome to Narwhals episode 27. We back. My name is Drew Wilson. Kieran Flanagan. And we are welcomed by Dan Martell. What's up? Welcome. How's it going? I'm doing amazing. That's, <laughs> That's a good, good day. Yeah. We're, uh, we're coming at you live. If you don't know, join us live on Thursdays at around 10.45-ish. Right around this time. Um, otherwise, enjoy it right now from the comfort of your home. Uh, or your uh, bathroom, most likely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so, Dan, tell us about yourself. What are you doing? Who are you? Yeah, uh, Dan Martell, uh, serial technology entrepreneur, investor, Canadian, proud father, two little cool little dudes, Max and Noah. Um, Five Star Nomad is kind of my that's wife and I. Yeah, that's kind of what right. we're doing. We're, like we're right now in Carlsbad for the last few months with the family and, and just plotting out uh, 2018 and the rest of the year and... Uh, I, uh, coach incredible SaaS founders. Like hmm. just, I love what I do every day. Uh, I've been doing companies, software tech for 19 years. So previous company was clarity, raised money, sold that, uh, before that I did a company called Flowtown. same deal, venture backed, uh, got acquired in 2012. Um, and, and are, then, are you doing like uh, development to design or are you running the company? So I started off as a developer. So uh, 17. So funny story. Uh, when people ask me, like, how'd you get into coding? Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people probably had a similar background. I got in a lot of trouble as a kid. Uh, at 11 years old, got diagnosed with ADHD. Thought it was a superpower. Uh, turns out um, if you use it wrong, you know, great power comes great responsibility. Didn't know that. Uh, and found myself in a lot of trouble, honestly. And uh, by the time I was 17, uh, ended up in jail twice. High speed chase, um, had a gun. Wow. Yeah. Dang. Cops. Legit. Yeah. I just didn't want to go back, pulled the gun and luckily got stuck and cops grabbed me and feet didn't hit the ground and woke up the next day sober in a jail cell. Wow. Yeah. And Holy then, cow, man. At 17. So yeah, 17. Yeah. So luckily all that happened before I was an adult, ended up serving about six months, uh, worked really hard to get out of there into rehab, did 11 months there and it's where... Um, towards the end, I discovered a book on Java programming. Yeah, it's a logical change in my life. It's, it's a logical step. Uh, was it Jeff Davis? Jeff Davis book. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Java programming. And no way. Yeah, and plugged that into a 486 computer, and after I got out, discovered the internet, and turned out it was kind of a big deal. So did you did you already have the like personality or the penchant for that sort of thing? Like, I would, how did well, you how did you just jump into Java so, and yeah. be like, oh, how this did, will work? The, yeah, well, like, two things: the business and the job. software. Yeah. So like, uh, I always joke that I kind of got my business acumen from selling drugs. So okay, yeah. yeah. So I learned a lot about like cash flow and fronting and product quality. I believe that. Yeah, and uh, but. You know, I've always been into like physics and biology. Like I just jammed and I think that's where like botany. I remember what my dad used to say for my pretty much my whole teenage years is like, you just need to find something that you're passionate about. that's not illegal. You know, like <laughs> I, I would that's just get so into it. So, yeah. so, you know, I think botany, obviously plants um, was a passion. And, and with that, I studied biology. And then when I started learning about programming, if you look at it, it's actually it, you could consider organism design, right? Like creating a database structure is kind of like trying to understand what are the properties of, of, of an organism. And, uh, yeah, I just, I just mapped all that out and just went nerdy for like two years yeah. every night coding. It's funny how you can look at it from whichever perspective that you come from, from whichever passion you come from and map it to whatever, like you can say, Oh, it's very, I like architect. Oh, I like architecture. And this is so, coding is architecture. Or, I like design, like coding is design. Like, yeah. I like botany. Like it makes sense to me. It's such a funny, like 
amalgamous. It's almost like uh, it's like the the base human patterns, right? Yeah, like there's these baseline patterns that if you can actually build the like understand the correlation, right? Um, it just unlocks it for you. And I just like most things up to my that point in my life, I just I just went all in. And did that uh, help you through rehab, like being able to focus it all your attention on something else after? Or? After, so okay. one of the big things that people realize, and it's a big part of my life, I, I go and visit that place, you know, three or four times a year. I spend, you know, once a month, I get on a call with um, at-risk youth all over the world talking about starting business to help them build their confidence. Uh, and the biggest challenge for anybody that gets sober is what do I do with my time? Sure. Right. So it's, it, and, and I've talked to people that have video game addictions. It's no different. Like mm-hmm. if you have an addiction and all of a sudden you resolve that, you've got a lot of time on your hands. And programming filled that. So I would say that it probably saved my life because it uh, allowed me to fill the void with something that was positive. And, you know, shortly thereafter, the Internet, I was like, well, I wonder if I could make money. Boom, made my first dollar when I was 17 and I haven't turned back. Yeah. Dang. So that was fast. So you get out, bam, right into it. And what did you, what did you do first? Did you start doing like client work, like development stuff? I'm 17, man. I had to finish high school. (laughs) So what happened was my dad uh, had a cottage and uh, he'd get calls all the time. I mean, this is 1998. And people would be like, do you, you know, is it available? Do you allow pets? How many rooms? Where is it located? And like literally he would just answer these same freaking questions all the time. And, you know, he saw me playing with the internet, just posting up photos and learning HTML and GeoCities. And he goes, hey, could you make me a page for our cottage? Right. And I said, I could, but it's going to cost 200 bucks. And he's like, 200 bucks? Why? <laughs> and I said, well, you need to put it somewhere. And it's too, no. I knew it wasn't 200, but I needed the 200 to pay for the server to be able to build the app. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, first thing I did is once I built the first version, I actually built in cold fusion, mm-hmm. which I don't even think is around anymore, yeah. uh, is, uh, I had to figure out how to get in front of the customer. And a friend of mine was, uh, he told me, he's like, Hey, there's this thing called the uh, tourism guide that has a list of all the bed and breakfast and all the cottage owners in our city or in the province, Canada. And I paid my little brother Mo two bucks uh, to sit there and type it into an access database. And then we did a mail merge printed and it it was a simple, like literally I didn't even know what a form letter was or direct Mm -hmm. mail, but this is what it was. It was just a letter that said, Hey, if you have, if you want a web page on the internet, fill out this form and send us three photos. And then we'll send you back a piece of mail with a link where you can start sending people on these calls. And if you want your photos back, it was 30 bucks. And if you want your photos back, add an extra five bucks. Mm. And we just sent it out. I didn't think it would work. I figured, you know, oh, it's a good experiment. Two weeks later, my dad comes home, walks up into the apartment we were living in and puts down a bunch of letters on the table. And he's like, what the hell is this? And I just couldn't believe it. I started opening up these envelopes. People put cash. Like, not yeah, even a check. Like, man. I didn't put, I've never put cash in an envelope. <laughs> yeah, geez. Yeah, wow. and that was that was you know there was no e-commerce, there was no credit card. Mer- I didn't have merchant account. Seventeen. That they was, just mail you money. Yeah, you, wow. I just sent out this letter, and it was maritimevacation.ca, huh. and I said if you want a listing, fill out this form and put some photos. So that Pretty was bills. yeah. yeah I, I always I always tell people if you've ever built something, put it online, and had anybody buy this, not your cousin, your friend, family member, even if it's a dollar, you've gone pro. Right. Like, yeah. It's a magical thing that you yeah. can't come back from. That's cool. So you, you actually had to submit a form to create a website. You had to say you had to submit a, a letter to no, if you want a website. If they wanted the listing, that's how. Oh, they, it, okay. Yeah, like this is like they didn't even know how to use a like. So fill out the form and I'll put it into the gotcha. database. Okay. There wasn't even a way to create a listing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Huh. They were paying their kid brother two dollars to put fill your out letter the form. in. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So okay, so then you made that. Um, when did you like? I'm sure that kind of gave you like the 
the light bulb, like, whoa, I could start like making money on this like long term. Um, when did you first start your first like company? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I always, I, I say I've started five companies and, and companies that are like corporations incorporated kind of things, projects, like how many domains, like I always ask people, how many domains <laughs> you own? Hundreds. Yeah, lot, exactly. Yeah. So, so how many domains did you put a website to? So it's yeah. like how many projects you experiment. So I've, I've got like 20, probably 40 of projects, but uh, maritime vacation, I lost, you know, I didn't have the problem, solved it for somebody else. I really just wanted to, I was passionate about coding and wanted a real world project. Uh, then I built a web hosting company with my brother about a year and a half after um, called NB Host. So the first business, what I always share with people's lesson learned is I called it maritimevacation.ca, which was like literally a total market size of 100 cottages. Mm-hmm. So like step one, plan for success a little bit. <laughs> yeah. The guy yeah. that owned at the cottage.com kicked my butt. Like yeah. Yeah. once people started realizing there was an alternative that was a little bit more, you know, uh, global and professional. Um, my $30 didn't make sense to them. So, uh, you know, plan for success was the first lesson. Then I did a hosting company. Uh, me and my brother each threw in a $5,000 line of credit. I was 20 when we started that one and, um, he did sales. I did all the tech. Uh, and I always joke with people, if you want any life whatsoever, do not start a hosting company. (laughs) 24 seven email support database. Like we bought it all. We set up the server. I'd spend time in the server room, just installing, configuring, my brother sold it, and uh, the thing that really broke uh, the whole model for us is we actually got the credit union, which is like a bank, as a customer for three thousand a month. But literally, we should have charged them a hundred thousand dollar a month for the level of stuff they wanted. Yeah, and I just like threw my hands up and said, "I don't yep. want to be in this business anymore." Yeah, I've done mm-hmm. distributed software before. It's a pain because, like, okay, you got the software bug free, but oh, they're installing it on this web host, and it's got things set up totally differently. And so now you got to like, okay, I got to go and actually. Help Deploy, them out, log into their configure. server, figure out what's going that on. That wasn't priced oh, in. Oh, man, man. Yeah. yeah. So that was the hosting company. Uh, then I uh, did consulting for a while because, you know, two failed companies back-to-back. I kind of needed yep. to let my, my ego rebuild itself, uh, confidence. And uh, in tw- when I was 23, um, I decided I was doing consulting around this really niche technology called Plumtree. It was an enterprise portal software. And I kept getting calls from recruiters and I remember sitting there, I was working with this oil company in northern Alberta and Canada and thinking to myself, if I had 12 people like me to give to these recruiters and they worked for me, I literally could retire, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'll charge 150 an hour for them. I'll pay them 60. I'll keep the balance. 12 is not a lot of people. And once you put them on site with a customer, they're there for six months, nine months, 12 months. Mm. And that's what I did. So I started Spheric Technologies. I'd save at that point about uh, 70,000 bucks, um, literally driving a 1987 Volkswagen Jetta, making 150 grand a year. Didn't, didn't change my lifestyle, just put everything aside. I did spend eight months in Australia, which was an awesome time. That's right. Yeah, at 22. That, mm-hmm. was, that was crazy. Um, and uh, that company ended up growing over a four-year period to 30 employees, mm. 3.2 million in revenue, and then get acquired. So, no way. Wow. yeah, 2008. So that that and this is you know um, the reason why that happened because people are like, well, how did you do that? Um, I read a book called The E Myth. We were just talking about that before we started recording. A guy named Michael Gerber wrote it, and I was reading the, I was listening to the audio book as I was driving to meet with my my old boss at the time because we were going to start a company together. Mm. We both kind of thought there's a bigger opportunity here. Let's go do this ourselves. And as I'm driving from at the time I was in Akron working with a client to DC, uh, I'm listening to this audio book, going, "That's like I don't know anything about business. I'm a software guy," and going, "That's the way you build a business." 
And I get there, and it's one in the morning because I left at five on a Friday, drove the whole time there. And I'm like, Russell, you got to listen to this book, this guy, Gerber, and he talks about Sarah's pies and the entrepreneurial seizure and the e-myth. And he's like, yeah, 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 no, no, we'll read it later. You know, let's, what are we doing tomorrow? We're going to go golfing. And I'm like, no, I don't want to golf, man. You got to read this book. And he totally blew it off. And on the way back, I realized I'm not going to start a business with him. Yeah. I'm going to hire an e-myth coach. And I'm going to start this business. Mm. So I spent a thousand bucks a month with an e-myth certified coach named Bob Simpson from Toronto, Ontario. No way. When I had no the revenue. Coaches on the book. Crazy. Yeah. 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 No, there was like literally, oh, there's, there's probably 10,000 e-myth coaches in the world. No way. Yeah. Bob's Canadian. And, uh, what, what do them. they actually do? Like what? I don't They teach you the... like fundamentals. Like, I mean, the first exercise they made us do is like, imagine you're, uh, you're, you're, you're at your funeral. Mm-hmm. and people are reading the eulogy, what do you want them to say? Yeah. Begin with the end in mind. And yeah. I'm like 24 at the time writing this. Like, I don't know. I'm, I don't even know what I'm going to do with my life. But I, you start writing this. They teach you about the financial aspects of business, understanding simple things like cash. I mean, when you start a business, and if you've never been around entrepreneurship, like my dad worked at Siemens. My mom, you know, did bookkeeping. Like, I didn't grow around entrepreneurs. Right. So it was literally probably the best fundamental business training. And the fact that I was paying $1,000, two calls a month, 500 bucks a call, you mm-hmm. know, which I didn't know if that was a lot or not, but it was obviously like real money Yeah. Um, to, I did the work, right? I feel like people, if they don't pay for things, sometimes they don't actually implement, right? It's mm-hmm. like, it's kind of like they buy like a, a book for 20 bucks and it's like, you'll put as much attention into the outcome sure. as you paid for the right. information. And, um, and I just kept doing, I mean, my, you know, online, I kind of, I talk about JFDI, you know, people can Google it if they don't know what it means, but that's that process of working with that coach really helped me build that muscle of idea execution. Hmm. That's sweet. Yeah. Okay. So then, and then you moved and then Then I moved to San Francisco and then you moved to San Francisco and then you, and then you're in the full startup world. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. I showed up there, didn't know a soul prior to showing up. Uh, I went online and one of my mentors said, Hey, check out this guy. I clicked the vi- link to the video. It's a guy named Dave McClure doing a talk on pirate metrics. Mm-hmm. And I called the email Dave. He actually used to have a type pad website with his phone number ah. on the website. <laughs> this is before he's the Dave 500 startups mm-hmm. and who he is today. Um, so this would have been 2008, uh, September, 2008. And I, I, I remember the day I called him. I was like, Hey Dave, this is Dan. It's like, who is this? And I'm like, well, so here's the deal. I'm Canadian. I'm moving to San Francisco. I don't know anybody. I saw your video on the pirate metrics. You seem like we resonate. I actually can use, we be best friends? Yeah. <laughs> but here's what I said. And I, th- I think it's worth knowing is we, a- I actually said like you, you're, you're super busy and you probably have things that you want to start that you don't have time to start. I know how to code. I know how to do business development. I, I we did enter. So sphere sold to fortune 500 companies. So mm. Procter and Gamble, Dole Foods, Johnson, Johnson, those are our customers. I started at 24. I had to learn a lot about, BD sales, sure. you know, complex sales. So I was like, whatever you throw at me, I'll get done. I, I just sold my company. So I'm not trying to do anything. Mm-hmm. I just want to help somebody that I think is sharing some smart stuff. And he's like, um, uh, I don't really. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'll call you back this exact same time in a week from now. And I'm sure between now and then you'll come up with some ideas. And if not, that's cool, but uh, I'll call you back. And he's like, all right. And I call yeah. him back. And I remember he goes, Dan, Canada? I go, yeah. He goes, all right, I got a list. Wow. And he was like, at first it was, you know, um, 
I've got a spreadsheet of all my angel investments. I'd love to build a system to track that. I mean, it was, I mean, I owe a lot to Dave. And I mean, and you're like, oh man, what did I get myself into? <laughs> that was until after I got to know him. No, I'm kidding. Dave, Dave's an incredible person. He, uh, he, you know, the thing that he uh, said that will forever go down, you know, like, I, you know, Dave says some crazy stuff, you know, and he'll admit to that. And people might be like, I don't get him. Why is he like that? I'm like, I'll, I'll defend him to the death. He offered, he goes, so do you need a place to stay? I didn't even know him. Jeez. We talked for maybe, you know, 30 minutes, two calls, and he just opened up his home. And, and I was like, no, man, I got an Airbnb. I'm good. But I really like to me, anybody that invites you into their home. Yeah. That's like that to me is the ultimate compliment. So I'll never I'll never forget that. And, and I've supported Dave in everything. You know, he just has to ask and it's a yes. That's does, cool. Does everybody in San Francisco do that? Is that just a not at all? Not at <laughs> please all. come everybody. into my house and yeah. please come live my here. House. I need somebody to help yeah. offset my rent. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly why they're doing it. That's usually the reason. Sweet. So, um, so recently you had. Clarity. Mm-hmm. I think that's most recent marketplace. Yep. Yep. And then, um, you sold that and now you're, uh, you're coaching, around, like you said. Yeah. I call it, I mean, so I had the problem with the word coach. Um, I've always had a business coach. My previous coach was a woman named Marcy Swenson startup happiness. She worked with, she brought a company public to 5,000 employees. Um, so, you know, I didn't have a co-founder when I started clarity. So I thought getting a coach would be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened is after I sold clarity, um, you know, my two boys were at the time two and three or a year and a half and two and a half after Irish twins, 11 months apart. <laughs> and, uh, I just said, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy this time. I don't want to start yeah. anything. I'm not going to rush to do anything, which is hard as hell. If, I mean, anybody that's a builder creator yeah. I mean, 15 times a day, you're like, I gotta solve that problem. Yeah. So, um, and what happened was clarity was really this like kind of jumping off point. Cause I did a lot of clarity calls. I did a lot of advice calls and I had, uh, VCs, uh, ask me if I'd mentor their portfolio company CEOs. And, um, the decision I made in the early days, it's still true today is I wasn't doing any one-to-one. Mm-hmm. So I started off, uh, I did some YouTube videos and I still do them. I've done, I've done over a hundred now every week since that point, um, where I just share all my life's lessons, but I started it for my two boys. I said, mm-hmm. you know, you know, that's right. I had actually, you know, a friend of mine get diagnosed, you know, young guy, 38, got diagnosed with something. He had essentially two years left and he had two little girls, exact same age as my boys. And it, like just floored me. Yeah. And uh, I said, how do you deal with that? And he told me about the videos he shot for them. Mm. So I was like, you know what, man, I'm going to shoot these videos in case, you know, you never know. Yeah. And it turned in from life advice to then business advice, to strategy advice, to mm-hmm. SAS pricing, to, I mean, just everything. <laughs> your, your kids are going to be pros. Man. I'm like, yeah. no, they started coding. We actually got this Did like they? coding iPad integration thing recently. So um, yeah, I, I do one to me. So I have a online program. It's a group program and I have an in-person program. Uh, and I specifically work with the non-coastal SaaS founders. Like those are my clients. Those non-coastal. are my non-coastal, the people that live in Peoria, Illinois, or, you know, but like, these are like $3 million ARR, uh, membership, uh, platform for martial yeah, arts. So, or- I mean, you were in San Francisco and then, um, you're not anymore. And what, and, and before that you weren't in San Francisco. So like, I don't know, like for me, when I moved up there, there's obviously like a, a big advantage um, to being around everything that's going on and to be able to, because like when you meet with somebody, if you're able to physically meet with them, there's like more of a connection. There's more of like, you can't a, beat that. Yeah. Skype doesn't work. Yep. Yeah. And, and that totally happens in San Francisco. Um, but then when you're actually going to be like heads down building something, I guess it depends on, you know, exactly who your target is, what your market is, that kind of stuff. But um, it seems like it isn't always necessary you know, to be there in San Francisco. And 
Um, I was in San Francisco, raised money up there, and then moved back here to actually build out the company and build out the team. And a couple of other people have done that, but it really feels like you're a pioneer when there's no tech scene. Um, and I'm sure where you ended up afterwards, there's really not a huge tech scene. So, an, I mean, literally, my my pattern was I moved down there, started Flowtown, raised money, got acquired two and a half years later. I, I had a plan. I was like, you know what? I want to build a company and eventually bring it public or sell it. And I thought it would take me like 10, 15 years, right? Mm-hmm. Like the numbers are just against you. And I still remember the day it happened. Um, and I was like, okay, so there is a pattern. There's some, there's a, a repeatable process. And what happened is, uh, when I started clarity, I strategically like, like said, I'm going to build this in Canada. So even though we raised around there, we built the initial team in San Francisco, I built all the development up in Canada. And what I did and what I, what I coach entrepreneurs to do every day is every seven weeks go for three days. What I would do is I'd leave New Brunswick where I lived. I'd fly to New York. I'd do a day in New York. I'd take the the morning flight to the West coast. I'd land at 11 o'clock. I do a lunch meeting, afternoon meetings, dinner meeting, stay the next day, go to Toronto meetings there and back home. So I could literally go four days mm-hmm. every seven weeks. It was like clockwork. So that way, if I'm talking with you via email and you're like, where do you live? You're like San Francisco. Cool. You free on this date to do coffee. Oh yeah. Awesome. Let's do that. They don't even know you don't live exactly, there <laughs> because when you, when you schedule, you're there people's every- SF, everyone's always busy. You're like, yeah, how about like three weeks out? Yeah. Maybe and not know. only that, if you're seeing them, like think about your friends that you know, yeah. you may not see them once every seven weeks. Oh, so especially like, if you right. have kids, you see them like once, yeah, every couple once months. a year, if you're lucky, <laughs> you so can literally be anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I did when I built the clarity out there. And that's what I teach entrepreneurs to do. I mean, mm. just one of my clients the other day jumped on a plane. He was like, that's the strategy. So like literally the leverage. And for me with clarity, cause most of our, our big partners were in New York. Um, like a lot of the credit card companies and then BD and innovation was kind of like West coast. And then I added Toronto because we had some of our investors there and that was like this awesome trifecta. And literally I got to the point and I did the trip. I mean, every probably, you know, 16 times I got it to like, it was a system. Like it yeah. was like, I got on the plane. I knew what I had to wear. I knew where I had to be. I got the right hotel. I knew the coffee shops. I sca- And it was like the efficiency was ridiculous and I didn't have to pay San Francisco rents. Yeah. I didn't have to hire San Francisco engineers. Like the leverage was there while you still get the value of the. Now, what you never can replace is the serendipitous moments. Yeah. That you can't schedule. Like, hey, I remember. So, Clarity. So, people always ask, like, how do you, you know, how do you sell your company? So, this is Flowtown. Sorry, not Clarity. I'm sitting at home I, and uh, my buddy John calls me and he goes, Dan, are you free? And I said, I could be. Why? He goes, I'm going to meet with my ex-boss from yahoo um and uh he was talking about what they were thinking of working on and i thought you guys should meet i was like all right cool and i go there and it's the cmo of demand force Hmm. and they were the ones that eventually acquired flowtown no way yeah and like that was like literally he was talking to his old boss saying what are you guys working on he said well you know we're trying to acquire a company in the social media space Mm -hmm. and he goes oh you should meet my buddy dan that turned into three days later come meet a ceo and the cto to a month and six weeks later, we ran through a process and yeah, like, so that seems, that's a very San Francisco sort of thing to happen. It ha- like if people, so if you've ever watched Silicon Valley, it's literally the HBO show. Yeah. It's surprisingly yeah. how f- it's so accurate. Yeah. Like I literally have spoken at incubator houses. Like my buddy has a house. It's an incubator. And I saw online once I saw, cause I was like, so when that show came out, it was just so hilarious. Right. 
the guy who owns the house who had like a you know somewhat success you know yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and he tries to pitch himself as a guru yeah Aviato. Aviato. Yeah. there was a there was an actual dude with like curly hair and everything who has a house that does a thing and that's the guy head. Dave McClure was yeah. there yeah well that's the guy that invited me to speak he used to be a recruiter no yeah he's like short he's from oh, Eastern Europe man that's yeah hilarious. oh I forget his name but anyways like that's why I saw the show and I'm like telling my wife I'm like I've, I've been to a house and it was literally like he rented a big house yeah, and he had man. all these Eastern European entrepreneurs and it was an incubator and he would have us come in and speak that's insane yeah, yeah. it was I remember looking at like phone. dude the he's conversations like, they have on that show I've been in yeah. elevators and I remember two weeks after I watched the first episode I'm, I'm going to visit 500 startups and I'm going up the elevator and this guy wanted to pitch me and he goes we're a social local mobile and I go stop I said, did you just hear what you said? You sound like the guys on that TV show. He's like, what? (laughs) What TV show? I'm like, you do not understand the bubble you live in. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, I know. Product Hunt, I think, is is funny in that way. There's a lot of stuff that gets launched on there, obviously. And I still feel like, in some ways, it's the same stuff being launched over and over again under a different name. Like, you see, like, right now, I have no idea why bots are so huge. Um, oh, it's because it, somebody said it was the future, so yeah, everybody and, runs and to so it. And so everyone's got a .ai domain, and there's like a bot for this, a bot for Everything. that. Bot. Like my pets, my there was a there was an actual uh, a pet social network, a new one that came out with bots, like or with no artificial intelligence. Sorry, with artificial intelligence, it's like. Everything is artificial intelligence. Gosh dang it. If you just write it, and they call them like algorithms, but right. you know it's just an yeah. FL statement. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> no, it's yeah. a serious It's a FL case statement. statement. It's like there's no. no logic here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's probably faking it. It's like yeah. not a bot, it's a person, but they're yeah. like faking it till they make it. You'll right. read like some marketing guy's blog post about how to do marketing. He's like, oh, just get one of your developers to write an algorithm. He's like, they're not writing an algorithm. <laughs> they're writing a series of FL statements, and you have no idea what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> We have an algorithm. No, we have spaghetti code. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I also spent a while traveling. And one of the things I get asked about a lot is, you know, having a family. It's like, what do you do with your kids? Like, especially when they're in school. Um, we homeschooled. What do you do? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I I think you'll probably resonate with this. It takes a partner. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. literally, my I couldn't do this if my wife wasn't on board. And like, it, like you know, people say that. Well, my wife wouldn't. It's like it is what it is. You need somebody that's on board. We've decided to homeschool the kids. Are three and four right now? So when we're in San Diego, we put them in like a like a kind of preschool school thing. Um, super fancy because we have them in uh, kind of like a kindergarten back home that doesn't do any of the stuff this place does. Mm. I mean, they have an iPad app that checks them in. They get a curriculum every day. They do like real for preschool. Oh, I mean the kids pretty much like there's like kids that are one years old to five or six and they're in curriculum. Like they actually have a, a learning system that they've implemented. They showed us when we went and did the tour. And every day I get an email with an outline of what they worked on and what they learned. So uh, we did that because last time we were actually in San Diego, we hired a nanny and they were in the house. So then all of a sudden, if we wanted to stay home, they're like nagging. And it's like, if you want to sit on the couch and do some emails, you can't really do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So this time we said, no, let's keep the same routine we have back home. And uh, we're going to probably keep that pattern going forward. We may test next year um, hiring somebody to travel with us to keep consistency and continuity. Mm. Um, and I'll report back then. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's literally a work in progress. But um, both my wife and I just said, you know what, we want to figure out a way to structure our lives where we can explore the world, educate our kids, 
keep the the fitness and the health going. So we do we do CrossFit for the community aspect. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy for us to find um, you know local boxes to go work out and, and kind of connect with people. And uh, and then we also next year we're being even smarter about it. We're actually going to make a list of people that we want to deepen our relationship with and structure our travel and invite them to come join us. So hmm. you know get a house with an extra room and then have like this person for a week, this person for a week, you know, so if we're in in South America or Bahamas or whatever, just like, Hey, come like actually have an open calendar. Yeah. Um, so we're going to see, I mean, it's, it's very much a work in progress, but, uh, so far so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, when we were traveling, like, uh, it was a little bit different. We were in an RV. We traveled the U.S. I remember that email yeah. exchange. And yeah. Yeah, we traveled the U.S. Uh, for so I year. just rented an RV for July for the first time. No way. I never felt like such a dad. For, for up until this point, I never, like there was moments where I'd be like, I can't believe I'm a dad. Yeah. You know, like I yeah. still have these moments where I'm like, oh yeah, I have kids. They just like landed. Yeah. Like when I rented that RV, <laughs> I'm like, Okay. Like, that's a milestone. Um, yeah. yeah. And then the thread on Facebook. I mean, some of the stuff people came out with was just hilarious. What do you mean? The Griswolds. The oh, RV oh. Movie. I mean, just people are like, just putting it in my Dude, face. It's so fun. Like I'm, I, my wife and I said that, man, if we knew that like RVing existed before we had kids, man, we would have been on top. Of really? It. Yeah. Cause there's like so much stuff you could do. Like when you have, and kids, you did it for a year with yeah. kids. What would you have done if you didn't have kids? Well, okay. So when you have kids, you have to put them to bed early. And when we started, our kids were one, three and five. And so you got to put them in bed around seven, seven 30. The whole RV goes to bed. Yeah, the whole RV, and so you have to like everyone's got to be quiet, you know, and so you can't really do anything after seven p.m. And then they and we had a one year old; she learned to walk in the RV, um, and so you can't like go do anything too crazy, like as far as like exploring, like too far out in the wilderness. Um, and so there's a lot of stuff you can't do with little kids. Like when they're older, we'll be able to. But right. um, if if it was just us by ourselves, and I encourage you, if you have the opportunity, if you're doing like freelance or whatever, you should definitely go try this. Because uh, it's super fun, you get to see everything, and our kids learned about America by like being That's in America. Learn. You know? Yeah, and they learned about cultures by being in a bunch of different cultures, and they learned about the ways different people live by being there, like physically being there. Um, it was, yeah, it was in that aspect, it was like magnificent. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, if if you didn't have kids, you could do stuff at night. <laughs> I mean, there's like yeah, crazy. There's like all this other exploration that's kind of locked down that you yeah. can unlock. I mean, I saw fireflies for the first time in my life, which was as magical as everyone. The TV show to be. No, no. <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> fire. You mean bugs. bugs. You mean insects. Bugs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was, it was super cool. But um, yeah. yeah, if you can, you should, you should try it. Uh, all right, cool. So what are you, uh, what are you looking forward to in the, in the next year? Like, um, where's after Carlsbad? Yeah, uh, Carlsbad's back to Canada. So we live, uh, in a place called New Brunswick. I call it the top hat of Maine. So it's up, oh, it's literally on the ocean. So if you've ever been to Maine, it's very similar. We stayed in Bar Harbor and it was super cool. Yeah. There. So this, the, the beach community called Shidiac, which is about seven miles away from my house. That's the Bar Harbor of New mm. Brunswick. Mm. Very. So you guys get snowed in and stuff. Like. Oh, they got, when we landed here in the first week, a couple months ago, they got six feet of snow and everybody's like you guys are so lucky and i'm like whatever it's like i'm not i'm like is that where you uh grew up yeah i grew up yeah nobody's like why do you live there like no i grew up there my whole family like nobody moves there unless they meet a super attractive woman or man and like like that's the only reason people go there there's no there's no reason but you know we when we started having kids we were living in san francisco my wife got pregnant i started clarity and we said oh you know what we'll start with a summer home so we built this summer home we're gonna be there four months she's from there too no she's from canada but ontario oh okay um 
And, uh, and so we did that. We had the baby in Canada and literally three months after birth, she finds out she's pregnant again. Jeez. Dang. So we ended up getting rid of our San Francisco digs and then built, uh, built another home. So in a two year period, we built two houses, started two companies and moved twice Jeez. and had the two kids. I'm ready for a nap. Just listening. Literally like it, it was the, like there's nothing that could happen in our marriage that would challenge us. Dude, knocking them out that close together though. It's awesome. Yeah. Dude, they're <laughs> oh, like yeah. the little, they're little buddies. Um, they, yeah. they're, they're like every day is like a next phase of unlock. Like they now yeah. can take their seatbelts off. They can, we you know, just hit that. We just hit that a milestone. Big milestone. Yeah. Like dude, yeah. they're, they're, they're giving themselves baths and putting their pizza this morning. They came out of the rooms dressed. I mean, yeah. what? Yeah. Game changer. It's yeah. So I have a friend that just had a newborn and, I'm like, and he has the exact same age kids, with girls, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Are you guys done? Oh, I'm so done. Okay. Like, done, <laughs> done, done, done. <laughs> Sweet. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we always wanted four before we, when we first got married, we're like, yeah, we want I heard four, four is kids. better than we three. Though, so should... And, and then we had Let's one. We're like, going. let's rethink that <laughs> after one kid. <laughs> we ended up having three, but <laughs> every single day, let's reassess. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, but it's, yeah, I got, I got Canada after this. And then, um, I've got quite a bit of travel. Uh, I got an Ireland trip. You know, I, I'm lucky. I have a lot of friends that, uh, they have really cool companies and they're doing stuff and they're asking me to come in and speak to their teams. And so that, that was the whole premise of like doing one to many. So video webinars, all my programs are group programs. Um, if I do any speaking, which is maybe four times a year now, cause I don't want to travel because of the kids, um, usually bigger groups. And, uh, so you'd be able to do a little consulting work like while you're traveling around. Kind no, of I don't or? even do, I don't do consulting cause it's one-on-one. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I'll speak to their company. Like if they do a retreat, I'll come in and I'll parlay mm-hmm. that with a family trip. Um, and uh, it's neat because my wife is actually um, creating a program called the Family Academy, mm-hmm. which is essentially how we do what we're doing. So mm-hmm. the whole travel, uh, she calls it world schooling, kind of the concept mm-hmm. of learning, actually being out there. And uh, so she wants to do three events next year. I got three events. We're gonna par- We're gonna actually like butt our events in the same cities. Oh, nice. So Perfect. essentially, that we'll go travel to like you know, Latin America and then come back for both of our events with the kids yeah. and then leave to the next part of the world and come back to the next. So we do Toronto, New York, and San Francisco. Sweet. Do you know yeah. Garrett G? I do know Garrett. Yes. Okay, cool. That dude is like the he's, ideal. He's, he's like, he's this, next level. He's so the like, sixth star. Yeah, Nomad. He's yeah. the one, he's the one that inspired me. Like I remember yeah. the day I read his blog post. He's like, I'm selling all our stuff. And I'm like, Garrett, what are you doing? And yeah. he's like, we're going to go travel. And yeah. literally he's been doing that now for yeah. two plus years. Yeah. He, he emailed me cause I had started my trip and he's like, Hey, he's like, I want to do that same thing. I was like, yeah, you should grab an RV. He's like, well, I'm actually, I'm going to go like travel the whole world. I'm like, Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, how did you do it? I'm like, well, first you got to sell everything you own. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be okay with that. <laughs> yeah. And then, so, and then he, he did it. He sold everything he's, he's owned. still doing it. And man. then he got back after a year and I'm like, dude, are you done? He's like, no, no, no I'm, uh, we're, we're just taking nope, a break. Hooked. I'm yeah. going to go back out again. But he's trying to make it into a thing where he doesn't have to spend any of his money by getting, uh, hotels to like cover their stays, which is I what didn't he's know doing. that. I saw the videos. Yeah. He does like the vlog and stuff. That's he gets, super smart. Yeah. He gets, he gets, uh, all, he gets sponsored essentially by the hotels to come stay there and do a travel blog blog. about it. Yeah, hmm. travel blog. It kind of thing. I love that. He's trying to make. It I got to get him talking to my wife because I think uh, I think he he would be great uh, as an expert as yeah. an example. But look, th- this is the future, and we all know it because we're tech guys. We can we can write code or do our business from a laptop anywhere. We like to do it at co working spaces. 
But there's this whole new world of, you know, the, the whole gig economy. There's this trend called blended workforces. Right. So like everybody in the future is going to be a freelancer. So when that happens, there's no reason you physically need to be yeah. somewhere. How do you actually travel and do it? Cause it's, it's, it took us iterations and I, I felt morally obligated to go travel because you could, I could. Yeah. And I'm like, nobody's taking advantage yeah. of this because freelancers, I feel like more. I know people like, that are it. freelancers that say like that wouldn't, but the truth is, and you know this, it's work. Like it's yeah. not easy. It's not like you actually need to like plan a lot more of logistics so much. So it's like people see that we're here and they're like, Oh, wouldn't that be nice? It's like, you wouldn't even do it if you could. Yeah. Like even if I <laughs> right. gave you the money, it's right. not a money problem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest here. You don't have the fortitude to do the work to actually pull this together. Like we are on East Coast time zone because the kids are. So we just said, well, why don't we just keep getting up at 430? And I turn into a pumpkin at 830. Like that's, that's just a decision we had to make, which means I go to bed at 830 at night and wake up at 430 in the morning. Some people wouldn't want to do that, but it yeah. was just easier to stay on that time. zone. So like, I just think a lot of people say they'd want it, but you yeah. know, they, they make it a money thing and it's not. Yeah. Yeah. They would just literally, you can it's a comfort pretty inexpensively thing. If you don't drive that often, if you're like, if you're doing the RV thing, the, the longer you stay in one place, the cheaper it is because of gas, mm. you know, um, it wasn't an electric, it wasn't one of the Tesla RVs. I will say the RV I, I they, rented I was that. expensive as crap. I well, you got, it. you probably got a motor paid, RV, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I paid. They just took me for a ride. Yeah. So we paid, <laughs> we got a brand new fifth wheel. So a fifth wheel hooks into the bed That's of your the way truck. To do it. That way you can, ex- you can yep. go off. And so we yeah. paid for a brand new one, 41 foot, had five slide outs, two bedrooms, two bathrooms, 50 grain. Yeah, it's pimp. Versus like, yeah. you've got to spend at least 200 or more just because it has a motor. Jeez. And it's not even as good as having a Ford. So. Yeah. We, we did it that way. Um, like my wife wanted to do it because my brother has a fifth wheel and he's like, mm-hmm. you should come camping with us. So I was like, I'll just rent one and we'll see before I go ahead and buy mm-hmm. one. Yeah. But I was just like, what? How yeah. much is it? Why don't we stay in a five star hotel? Why are we, <laughs> why are we doing a motorhome? It's more expensive to be in the oh, motorhome. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's not as like well put together at all. Like no. the, 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 the bar of quality in RV industry is rock bottom. Yeah. It is so low and there's a lot of opportunity there. But at the same time, it's like, do you really want to get in the RV? Industry? Yeah, go, no. go disrupt it. Because <laughs> it's not like a necessity. My buddy's like, actually working at like, uh, Clint from uh, Startup Weekend. So he's doing these like Mercedes, um, what are those things called? The the Pacer vans? Mercedes oh, the vans? Sprinters? Sprinter. Yeah. yeah. And he's he actually redesigned the yeah. interior for like a super low budget motorhome for two huh. people. Yeah. There's, huh. there's a lot of companies that and he's do doing like, like And he's doing Uber. It's, it's an like Uber a, for oh. these Sprinter vans. It's like a tiny home. Yeah, on wheels. On wheels. No, that like the next time we do RVing, it's not going to be a huge monstrous thing. We're going to get a Sprinter van and then convert it and just like make it super minimal. Put be five a bathroom, people in there, but no sink. I'll send you his. Uh, he had a spec. He like he added me to this private Facebook group, and I watched the process. Yeah. And uh, there's yeah. a ton of That's companies wild. that make those, and also yeah. Ford Transits. Yeah, no, you can get uh, bunk beds in the back. That like, oh, the Sprinter vans are tall. Like I can stand up in it, and you can get these pop tops on the top of the Sprinter van to pop it up four feet, even more. Four feet, no, it's it's always collapsed, but when you want to sleep up there, it raises four feet, so you can actually like sit up in bed, and you can have the bed up top. I've had, I have to see a picture of this. Yeah, I have to see, I have to, I can't vi- in, picture this in my head, it's like how bad. there's enough space for five people. It's, well, I mean, the idea is that you live outside of the van, you just sleep, <laughs> you just sleep yeah. there. Yeah, and you just out. go in there when you're ready to pass yeah, out. I, yeah, right. And you travel yeah. in there, and you got your... And, Go yeah, live same. in the six feet of snow. That's when we when we did RV time. travel. This might be crazy, but when we did RV travel, never once did we use the shower in our RV. Huh. 
Huh. We use it for sewer. We just always use the public shower because RVs have a lot of uh, problems with quality, like I said, and we don't yeah. want to deal with any plumbing issues. Um, and I was like, there's no way I'm going to take and a shower in a public room bathroom. And there's more room in the yeah. public. Yeah. I was like, there's no way. It's going to be nasty like some RV thing. But honestly, they're really not that bad. So just no. don't shower. Just wear sandals. <laughs> wear sandals. <laughs> college college wear rules. Sandals. Cool. All right. Well, that's all the time we got. Thanks so much for being on the yeah, show. Thank you. Thank you all yeah, for sticking awesome. around. And we'll see you next time. See you guys. See you guys online.